All right, so it's like uh, roll the intro music. Yeah, no, it's roll the intro music. So it's roll the intro music. No, Daniel, roll the intro music. Welcome back to the We Can Do Better podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the quarantine machine. You are now listening to Sonic Experience that is scene 19. I am Thomas the Jet Martinez in Sarasota, Florida, looking at Daniel Rauschwerger, who has joined me on Skype. Daniel the Dragon Rauschwerger. We're at it for another go around. Daniel, how's it going today? I'm chilling, Thomas. I'm doing good. I can't complain. It's a marvelous Monday, and you know what? We're being productive, so in times like this, you can't ask for more. How's your day been? It was the same as Friday. It's the same that Wednesday is going to be, Daniel. I'm going to give you the same response every single podcast. Uh, I woke up at 12 o'clock. I worked out, and then I had breakfast at 2 p.m., so (laughs) what's different, (laughs) you know? But uh, I I know it's a big day in your life. It's a big day. You know, everybody watches the news nowadays and they hear about how everything has gone to online. And I don't know if you were going to do this initially because I knew you had been planning to take online classes during the summer semester. But today was the first day and you had a Zoom call for your Spanish class. Correct. Yes, I did. Today was my first day of online class for my last and final Spanish class. This is it. This is the finale, everybody. After this class, I am done with my foreign language requirement, and it was kind of awkward. I uh, joined my Zoom class this morning at 9.30, and I forgot to initially turn my camera off. So I popped up on the screen, stared into the camera, and then immediately turned my camera off, and my professor nodded and smiled. Uh, Afterwards, you know, we had a, a large class of probably about 30 people, And funny story, Thomas, everybody had their camera off. Everybody had their camera off, except for this one girl. This one girl decided, you know what? I'm going to leave my camera on. And the entire time, she just looked very worried and confused. And at one point, she even just turned away from the camera and started playing with her dog in the middle of the Zoom class. And I was like, you know what? Live your best life. Go for it. Why not? (laughs) That was really funny, Daniel. Uh, you know, we had a big holiday yesterday. You know, we're recording this, of course, on Monday afternoon. Yesterday, of course, was Mother's Day. Daniel, you know, obviously very different circumstances this year. But you know what? I, I think I had a good Mother's Day, you know, with my mother because it was Mother's Day. So I was spending my Mother's Day with my mother. But you know what? My sister and I, we chipped in. We got my mom some expensive flowers. I mean, you know, we were talking about before the podcast about how I haven't been really spending that much money. By the way, Dirac Science Library. Shout out to Dirac Science Library for paying me every two weeks for doing 15 minutes of work. Hopefully nobody's listening to this. Nobody usually listens to this, so I'm sure we're fine. But um, yeah, so I spent a lot of money on these flowers yesterday. I'm hoping that my mom doesn't hear this because I don't want to disclose the actual price. But, you know, that was the main present that we got her. We made breakfast together, watched Sunday morning with Jane Pauley. What a, what a lovely program, right? Right. How can 
Does it get much better than Jane Polly? I mean, seriously. Yeah, so we watched Jane Polly, uh, and then we watched Breaking Bad. We watched like eight episodes of Breaking Bad. That's an exaggeration. Uh, we watched a lot of episodes of Breaking Bad. But how was your Mother's Day? How, was, how did Shelly spend it? Shelly Rauschberger, I think, had a great Mother's Day. You know, we, uh, we woke up, and we gave my mom flowers and gifts the whole bit. And as we do every birthday or Father's Day or Mother's Day on this instance. And you know what? Later, we ordered some food, some Middle Eastern food, and we brought it over to my grandparents' house. We sat outside six feet apart, and we had a nice Mother's Day dinner. It, it was just beautiful, except for the part that it was raining all night. But you know what? It just created this ambiance. It was fantastic. It was brilliant. So a good Mother's Day for both of our moms. And, you know, the day obviously capped off by parts seven and eight of the Michael Jordan, The Last Dance documentary. Daniel, I don't want to talk too much about the documentary. It's not something that we have scheduled to talk about in this podcast. But I did see that you posted yesterday on your private Instagram account, of which its name I'm not going to disclose But anyways, you posted about how this documentary has you wanting to do two things. You want to smoke a cigar and you want to conquer the world. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. Every time, I feel like in every episode, maybe except for these last two, there's at least five shots of Michael Jordan per episode smoking a cigar. I mean, how many cigars does this guy smoke? It's insane. He's smoking a cigar in his car on the way to practice. He's smoking a cigar while he's chilling in his bedroom after he just played a game. He's smoking a cigar at night. He's smoking a cigar while he's getting interviewed. I'm like, oh my god, this guy just smoked. He smokes so. Where's how are his teeth not falling out of his mouth right now? It's insane. But uh, yeah, every time I'm like, you know what, man, I want to smoke a cigar right now. And then after you watch like Michael talk about how he would make up these like excuses to hype himself up and go out there and like drop 38 points on some nobody player just because. It's like, wow, like, what can't you do? Like, I just want, I want to run, I want to run for president. I want to run for president. Yeah, I saw somebody say after the episode that somebody should tell Michael Jordan that coronavirus doesn't like him. That way he could end it. Yeah, honestly, he'd find a vaccine in like three hours. You're smoking crack. Stop. All right, what's up, guys? So We Can Do Better is an amazing podcast that helps you learn about sports in the easiest way possible. You've seen me surprise my co-anger with absurd rants. So please, if you ever want to hear about our lives as sports fans, click the link in our bio on Instagram and Twitter at WCDBpod and use promo code THOMAS to get $20 off your first purchase. Just kidding. We don't have sponsors. And we are back. We are back with the main event of the evening. Mr. Rauschberger, we are going to be comparing two athletes, two legendary athletes, mostly from different cloths, from different sports, and deciding how they would do in an alternate sport in which they do not play. So, on that note, let's get started, Daniel, with the first event of the evening, the first competition. You know him, I know him. Novak, the Joker Djokovic, versus Mike, the Fish Trout. That's not his nickname, I just made that up. But who (laughs) would win, Daniel? Your opinion, who would win in golf? In golf, that is a great question, Thomas. You know what? I feel it depends. You know, 
I think that Mike Trout has some tremendous power, right? But Novak Djokovic, he, he's got that depth perception. He's got that that finishing touch, you know, the little finesse for you folks. So if I had to flip a coin, and if I had to pick, I'd say, you know what, I'd say give it to Mike Trout. I'd say give it to Mike Trout. Going with a surprise here out of the backfield. And uh, I feel like he's got some accuracy too, right? When you play outfielder, you got to have that arm distance. you got to know how far you got to throw it. Mike Trout, a good, a good middleman with power and accuracy. I put my money on him. How about you, Thomas? Daniel, this is a question of which it's haunted me, really. It's really haunted me over the last 24 days. But to make this decision is to take into account Novak Djokovic is a mental giant. I mean, when you talk about athletes of any sport whose mental game is above the rest, it's Novak Djokovic. To be able to silence crowd after crowd when you're facing Federer and Nadal, who are usually more beloved, that's one of the most important things that you have to do when you're playing golf is to have that mental aspect. And listen, they both have similar skill sets in that they're both swinging, right? You know, we both agree that their hand-eye coordination is pretty good, and that's important in golf. You know, Mike Trout, eight-time All-Star, three-time AL MVP. Novak Djokovic, 17 Grand Slams. I got to go with the Joker, Daniel, because listen, he grew up in war-torn Serbia. He's gone through it all. If you tell me 18 holes, who's going to win? The loser is sent to death? Novak Djokovic. Daniel, take it away with the next competition. Yep, next competition. We got, you all know him, Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders. However, the question this time is, who would win in tennis, Thomas? Your take. Daniel, it's a question that everybody's been asking us to do on this podcast. I might be biased. You know, Deion Sanders being a Florida State alumnus. Tennis is a very interesting sport. It's just the idea of seeing Bo Jackson on a tennis court is funny because, you know, he's a huge guy. He's a huge guy. Like, how tall is he? He's probably not that tall. He's probably like six feet, but he's probably like 240, 230. Oh, probably, yeah. And Dion, he's more—he's more—he's more nimble. Dion Sanders is more nimble. And tennis, there's a lot of stop and start movements. That's where it gets interesting, though, because they're both two sport athletes. You know, Bo Jackson and Dion—they both played baseball and they both played football. Some would argue that, actually, most would argue that Bo Jackson is the better athlete. I mean, it's kind of hard to deny that. Dion Sanders was more successful in the NFL. But we're talking about tennis. We're talking about tennis. Bo Jackson, he definitely had a better arm than Deion Sanders. If you see highlights of him playing in the outfield for the Kansas City Royals, you would see that this man had a rocket for an arm. It's a somewhat similar motion, Daniel, to throwing that ball in the air and serving up an ace. I think Bo Jackson, his power game is... His power game needs to be accounted for, and I think that this would be a five-set match. You know, they would have to prepare for this. Maybe they're not in shape right now, but they will be when they play each other. I think that Bo Jackson, Daniel, prevails in five sets. How about you? Wow. Wow. That's a big take. Honestly, Thomas, I thought you were going to go with Dion with prime time, but uh, you know what? I'm going to roll with you here. I'm going to roll with Bo, with Jackson. 
with Thomas, with Bo Jackson and Thomas. Listen, I know that everybody's saying Bo Jackson is so huge. How is he going to get around? This man can put his foot in the ground and cut up field, right? A quick start-stop athlete, right? A quick, let me grab that, let me throw to first base. When you said he's got a rocket for an arm, this man is unbelievable. I constantly go in my phone and just rewatch him catching a ball from the outfield and just slamming it all the way to first base. I mean, it's insane. I laugh every time because I'm like, this can't be humanly possible. So with that being said, I feel like Dion would just, he'd get outplayed, right? Dion would try and, you know, force Bo Jackson to each side of the court, try to tire him out. But that doesn't matter because Bo Jackson is an all-time athlete. This man probably has a 40-inch vertical, if I could bet. Probably runs a 4-2 also. Please. Honestly, I feel like Bo Jackson... I feel like he has that Juan Martin Del Potro type of game. I feel like he could let it rip with a forehand. What do you think? Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. Dude, he's probably got a killer forehand. And watch out for his backhand. Listen, you know, I bet you, I bet you everybody's saying, watch out for his forehand. And then all of a sudden, he gets you with a nice slice, a nice, you know, backhand slice. Boom. Dion won't even know what hit him. Daniel, that was a beautiful motion that you just displayed on the Skype. That was a that was a good up to down slice motion, especially good on the red clay. You know, it's French Open season usually, but we're in a pandemic. On to the next question, Daniel. I'll take it from here. You know, when we think of legends, we think of Pete Weber. You know, legends of sport. Bowling is probably the biggest test to man, physically and mentally. And when you take two of the best athletes in two of the most physically demanding sports of all time, and you ask who's the better bowler of all time, you have a great question. So without further ado, Steph Curry and Dale Earnhardt Jr., who's the better bowler, Daniel? That's big time. That's a big time question. And this is something that I've been thinking about. I've been tossing and turning every night before I go to bed. Thomas, I haven't been sleeping well. I haven't been sleeping well at all. You want to know why? Because I've just been thinking about this every night for probably about three hours. I stare to the ceiling and to the fan of my room and it's just constantly turning in my mind. But this morning I woke up and I had an epiphany because it came to me in a dream. And even though I forgot the dream, I remember they answered. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is probably the supreme bowler. And I will tell you why. Steph Curry, he's got a nice wrist flick, right? He's got nice depth perception, right? Arguably the best shooter in basketball that we've ever seen, that I've ever seen. But when it comes down to it, if you just look, if you didn't know who Steph Curry was and you didn't know who Dale Earnhardt Jr. was and you looked at the two names, let me ask you a question, Thomas, and I want an answer. What name sounds like a bowler's name? Dale f***ing Earnhardt Jr. You're right, it does. So I would take Dale Earnhardt Jr. Because that man, listen, when he's steering that wheel and he's bowling those balls, it's all day. It's it's prime time. He's the prime time of bowling, even though he's a NASCAR driver. Wow. Wow. Daniel, I could not agree with you more. Listen, don't let this pandemic distract you from the fact that Steph Curry broke his hand. He literally just broke his hand. Wouldn't you think, Daniel, wouldn't you think that your hand is important during the bowling motion? I think so. I think so. And, you know, some might argue, Dale Hart Jr., he's had multiple concussions in his career. 
you know, how does that affect his bowling game? Well, you know, we talked about Novak Djokovic being a mental giant. You know, we talk about people like J. Cole, who at the end of his 2014 Forest Hills Drive album, you know, a classic rap album, he thanked Dale Earnhardt Jr. for impacting him so much. Well, I have it on personal accord that Dale Earnhardt Jr. has been a huge mentor to Novak Djokovic throughout both of their careers. You know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. has gone through a lot. You think Novak Djokovic has gone through a lot. How about, I mean, I'm sorry, Daniel, but how about losing your dad on the last lap of the 2001 Daytona 500 as he was pushing you and your teammate to victory? That's that's some pretty tough stuff. And if you want to talk about how hard of a sport bowling is, we talked about him earlier, Pete Weber. Pete Weber, Daniel. Pete Weber. Who do you think you are? I am. I know who he is. He is somebody, Daniel, who I'm not even talking about sports. I'm talking about leaders. I'm talking about inspirations of mine. You know, somebody whose poster stands on my wall, stands erect on my wall every night. This is this is getting wow, this is getting personal for me. But um Dale Hart Jr. is the better bowler. I mean, this might not be the most compre I'm It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I might not be making too much sense, but I know, I, I, I know, I know that Dale Hart Jr. is the better bowler. Um, so yeah, that's a strike for you. Daniel, next question. Next question. We get it in our emails every day. It's kind of impossible to wake up in the morning and check our emails without seeing this question. Um, this what comes from the depths of Minnesota. Mike sends this one out, and we're going to answer this one. Mike, here it is. He asks, who's the better driver, Yao Ming or Maurice Jones-Drew? Yao Ming, a former and Hall of Fame center for the Houston Rockets, and Maurice Jones-Drew, one of the best running backs ever for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who is the better driver? Thomas, your thoughts. Well, Yao Ming has been a personal friend of mine for many years, and mm-hmm. I've told him to his face, listen, Yao, you're overrated at basketball. You're not that great at basketball. You should not be in the Hall of Fame. Did you make some contributions to the sport You know, by coming over from China and globalizing the game? Sure, but you're overrated. You're what, seven foot six? How's that going to do in a car? Huh? How is that going to do a car? Imagine Yao Ming stepping into your Mini Cooper. Huh? Just imagine it. Just think about it for a second. I can't. I feel like he's too big. Exactly. Exactly. Yao Ming is bigger than a Mini Cooper. Maurice Jones-Drew is the Mini Cooper of NFL running backs. He's nimble. He's fleet of foot. He's somebody, Daniel, who when we're thinking about the mid-2000s Jacksonville Jaguars, and (laughs) our friend Shory would like to have a word in this conversation, but, you know, you're thinking about that team. Mercedes Lewis, David Garrard. Maurice Jones-Drew, that was one of the upstart teams of that era in the National Football League. And if we didn't have Ben Roethlisberger in the Steelers, and if we didn't have Tom Brady in the Patriots, we might be talking about Super Bowl champions and Super Bowl champion MVP Maurice Jones-Drew. So I've gone back and forth on this many times because, you know, Yao Ming, when you're that tall, Daniel, it gives you a sense of confidence. And, you know, when you're racing – at a race, listen, it depends on where we're racing. Are we racing at Talladega 
Are we racing at Sonoma? You know, is this a restrictor plate track or is this a road course? I'm going to assume that it's a road course. And if that's the case, there's a lot of stops. There's a lot of starts. You know, you're accelerating, you're decelerating. At the end of the day, Daniel, Maurice Jones-Drew, he has what it takes to beat Yao Ming in a race. I've talked to both of them because I didn't tell you this, but Maurice Jones-Drew, he's actually my uncle. Oh, really? Yeah, I've known him for I've known him for ages. You know my no cousin way. Alfie? Yeah, Maurice yeah. Jones-Drew is his dad. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's a great driver, and I think he'd beat Yao Ming in a race. How about you, Daniel? Wow, I didn't know Maurice Jones-Drew was your uncle. That's, that's crazy. Uh, anyways, tell him I said hi. Yeah, shout out to Uncle Mo. Yep. Wow, Uncle Mo, that's what you call him? Of course. Oh, no way. All right. <laughs> I like it. My take. I think... I think you're wrong here, Thomas. And I, you know, I'm sorry to say to your Uncle Mo, Uncle Maurice Jones-Drew, but uh, I have all the confidence in the world in Yao Ming. All right, I think that big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games, and there is no bigger player, literally, than Yao Ming. He is seven foot six, and like you said, with confidence comes, you know, how you play. And it increases your position, your your attributes, right? I feel like when Yao Ming takes the steering wheel, he says, I'm the king of the road. Nobody can stop me. I'm Yao Ming. And you know what? Who knows what car they're driving, right? We can't say. We got we to gotta match them even for even. And sure, Maurice Jones-Drew may have that, you know, start-stop, you know, going for him. But I feel like Yao Ming, he can see the road better. He can see, where do I want to turn here? Where do I want to break? You know, how fast do I think I can make this cut? And with that being said, you're going to see Yao Ming cross that finish line much faster. Daniel, I'm going to have to have a word with you after this podcast because this is just upsetting. I want you to talk to my Uncle Mo after this. Um, anyways, uh, we, we have one more comparison to do, guys. Uh, I'm going to try to get through it. LeBron James and Michael Jordan, you've seen them compared recently. I mean, we always see them compared. Now enter a global pandemic where there's no sports, and that's literally the only thing that you hear talked about. So uh, we're going to answer the question that everybody's been asking us. Uh, this is from Pete in Charleston, South Carolina. He asked, uh, hey, guys, uh, first time, long time. I wanted to ask you today. Who's the better horse jockey, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? So, Daniel, you know, horse jockeying, you know, it usually goes to pretty small guys. It usually goes to guys who are like five foot three, you know, weigh like one something. Well, LeBron James is 6'8", 250. That's what he's listed. I know Michael Jordan is six foot six. I don't know what, like 220? I'd have to guess. Probably I don't know. around 220. Yeah, probably around 220. So, so let's assume that these horses are roided up. You know, they have those steroids in them and that their backs, their backs aren't breaking from having superhumans riding on them. So in that case, Daniel, let me get to this. I don't want to get overly biased by the fact that we've been watching a 10-part documentary on Michael Jordan, which we've seen his ridiculous competitiveness. I mean... I've come to the conclusion that those first three championships were literally just because he wanted his legacy to be good. And the last three championships 
were just because he didn't like Jerry Krause and Jerry Krause wanted to break up that team. And Michael Jordan was like, nah, f*** you. I'm just going to keep on winning and prove to you that you're wrong. So if these guys don't talk to each other before the race, Edge might go to LeBron James. But if LeBron James, just as much as looks at Michael Jordan the wrong way before this race, buddy, it's over. <laughs> I mean, Michael Jordan, he's going to be like Victor Espinoza, if you know what I mean. I mean, he's going to be like the legendary horse jockey. I mean, you know, we don't have uh, Churchill Downs this year. We're not going to see the Belmont Stakes. We're not going to see the Preakness, Daniel. But if we did, and if LeBron James and Michael Jordan were racing in them, I'll have another. Wow. Wow. That's huge. Daniel, what do you have to say? Okay, well, uh, I'm going to have to go the opposite on this one, Thomas. We've been we've been uh, agreeing part of this uh, segment. We've been disagreeing on part of this segment. We're going to split. We're going we're gonna to go down different paths on this one. And uh, I'm going to take LBJ, LeBron James. Listen. I know we're talking about Michael Jordan's competitiveness, and if you have so much breathe in his direction too hard, he's going to be like, oh, i got to destroy this guy right now. But you know what? I feel like LeBron James, what he does best is he makes everybody around him better, right? Right? He literally took the Cleveland Cavaliers with one of their most terrible supporting casts around LeBron James and led them to the finals. All right? Now, now he's got a horse on steroids. Are you kidding me? This guy's going to make a he's going to make some big time plays. All right. LeBron James knows his personnel. He's going to be such great friends with his horse. They're going to go and they're going to get lunch before the game. They're going to go and they're going to get dinner afterwards after the race and they're going to pop champagne because they just won because LeBron James is going to be so in sync with his horse that they're both going to be on the same page of when to, when to give it everything they got and when to conserve themselves. That's where I'm at. Michael Jordan is going to be so focused. We heard it before, how people think Michael Jordan's an asshole. Right? Yeah, we, LeBron, we've definitely been hearing that. We've, yeah, big time. Big time. We even got an, you know, an emotional part of Michael last night, but we're not here to talk about that. LeBron James, everybody loves LeBron James. Right? He pushes you to be the best. He's going to push that horse to be the best, and that's why they're going to win. Happy birthday, Keith Bogans. Legend.